Your Lakers look stacked. They look pretty good. Yeah, I think Montrezl Harrell is a great, great pickup. I mean, that's been the best pickup I think so far. Um, and then um, they've they've gotten some other uh, additions there. Um, Schroeder, I think, is a really underrated player. I like him a lot. Um, I think he's had kind of a rough draw. I think he was good in Atlanta. I think he was pretty good in OKC. Um, so it'll be good to uh, kind of have him in, in the role that he's in. And I don't think you guys are done yet. So, I mean, definitely uh, looks like uh, the most stacked team coming into the, the newest NBA season and where we thought Golden State was going to kind of immediately compete. Um, really stinks to see what happened with Clay. Yeah, I hate it. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining us live. This is our soft open where we talk about stuff. Uh, we're going to jump into the intro video, and Jesse and I have a crap ton of stuff to get to today. Bear with me. I'm on the wrong screen. Okay, there you go. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Welcome to Infinity Sports. As you can see, I am joined by the BIS. Jesse, thank you for joining me again. I know uh, you've had to do a lot of fill-in roles here. You've become like our, uh, what's the, the pitcher there that, that, that pitches every type of inning? Uh, Miller? Yeah, Andrew Miller there. He played for a few teams, including the Sox, I think, as well as the Yankees. Um, but I think it was when he was uh, with the Indians under uh, Tito Francona is when he really started to get stretched there and moved around, whether he's going to be a reliever or a starter. So, Whenever you guys need me, you know, I'm, I'm always able to come into the lab here. Um, the uh, My uh, my latest studio is at the Newberry Public Library, so uh, don't mind a little bit of rain. You know, we are getting some rainy conditions here in New Hampshire. Um, I know Wayne's a little bit more secure inside his place, but he's getting some weather as well. So uh, bear with us, but I'm really excited to have another fun episode. Um, you know, Sully's locked out and uh, really allowed me to step in on uh, two Mondays, so two big recap days. So... Excited to recap some big NFL games with you, Wayne. Yeah, for sure. Well, it is Monday, so that means it's an attic day. So if you lose either one of us, I apologize. It's a weak <laughs> signal. Um, you, know, you know, without seeing that on video, we're really getting the full display. you saying it's an attic episode. I'm not sure if, if we're having, like, uh, an intervention episode, if we're going to be talking about the NFL games. So. <laughs> we'll see. Um, obviously, you're watching at the time that YouTube Live, Facebook Live, Twitter. We're live on all three platforms. If you miss any part of the show... You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Amazon Music in audio format, as well as YouTube Live, or I mean YouTube channel. You can go there. The live show is usually uh, there the next day. If you want to hit us on social media, at Infinity Sports Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and at Sports Infinity 5 on Twitter. You can also visit the website, www.infinitysportspodcast.com. It will take you to all of those links, including YouTube as well as take you to our store where you can support the show by buying some merchandise. Jesse, we did upgrade a couple of things. We've got the Infinity Sportswear, but we have Failure is a Choice, uh, doing some motivational stuff, heading into the holidays. People like that kind of stuff. Tom Brady, wearing it there when he signs with the Bucks, so we certainly appreciate Tom supporting the show. Oh, it's, it's always good to be able to get uh, huge characters and uh, legends of their sport, like LeBron and Tom, to be able to don the Infinity Sports logo. I uh, love what you've done in refining it. And I know just from me being uh, behind the scenes a little bit that there's some continued workshopping on some shirts. So I'm excited to see what may come out as the holidays continue to approach. For sure. Um, obviously, big show today. We have, uh, you know, we're going to play greater than. Jesse loves playing that game. We're going to recap. Oh, I love it. Week 12 of the NFL. Not sure how many games we're going to get through because there's a lot of games, but we have a lot of news. News. Thank you. 
topic that came up probably a week and a half or so ago. We haven't really had a chance to talk about it with a bunch of rotating schedules and stuff, but I did want to mention, obviously, Diego Maradona, uh, age of 60, passes away, heart attack, cardiac arrest. One of the greatest of all time, 300 career goals, 21 World Cup matches. I think it's safe to say you do a lot of drafts, like I do as well in the FBAS. When they do soccer drafts, basically this guy and Pele are almost always the top two. Absolutely. Um, if he's not uh, first overall, then, you know, he's always taken within the top three soccer picks. Uh, a legend in his era, uh, what he did to lead his country and his teams uh, is always going to be seen as legendary. Um, I know that the last time I believe I was on, we got a chance to do a greater than. And I mentioned, um, you know, him uh, versus uh, Lionel Messi. And I think both of those guys have done a great job of representing their country. Um, I think that uh, Maradona played certainly in a different time, but, you know, you see his footwork for a guy that wasn't the most physically fit, that didn't have all the tools and science that today provides. So I think that certainly a legend, uh, sad to see him go, but someone who lived a fun lifestyle and uh, certainly a successful uh, lifestyle um, on the pitch. So sad to see him go, um, but he certainly lived his life to the fullest. For sure. I always say, uh, you know, I didn't, he's beyond my time. So is Pele. I mean, you look at, I mentioned Maradona had 300 career goals. They talk about guys who have 500 career goals like uh, Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, Pele had 1,300 goals or something like that. Insane. It's insane. um, He didn't, he was not one of those league leaders, but again, it's his footwork was just incredible. Like we saw in the video. If you're not watching, we showed a video. His footwork is absolutely insane. Now, my personal GOAT, and we've talked about this before, is uh, Ronaldo from Brazil. Uh, just the size, 6'1", 6'2", physical strength, speed, and he had incredible footwork as well. And so uh, that, that's the guy that I have as number one. And I remember we did this draft recently where I had said, you know, I'm taking him with the first overall pick or something like that. And everybody was like, what? Like, this is the first time ever that Pele or Maradona has not gone number one. Yeah, it, it certainly was shocking. Um, I think it's it's fun to get you into those drafts um, to get more of uh, your opinions on not just basketball, but in other sports and uh to see where your passion lies. And I think um, it was fun and shocking for, you know, not just myself, but everybody else in that small community um, to be able to see uh, where your passion lied. And it lies with that tank, Ronaldo, Um, you know, and I know that you have other favorite players, but he's number one for you. So it was great to see you stick to your guns and not kind of go with um, what the, uh, the crowd may have expected. So, you know, I certainly respect you for that. Now, something that obviously a favorite player of ours that we have seen for years now, uh, the poor sport Tom Brady earlier in the season did not shake hands or meet with Nick Foles after a loss to the Bears, and then recently did not meet uh, Jared Goff at midfield or whatever, wherever they meet. And I, I don't know, this blows my mind because obviously as a guy who watched Brady for years, we know he can have a little bit of sour grapes after a loss, just like Belichick. Uh, Rex Ryan had said, Tom Brady's Bill Belichick with a better arm. Um, So very similar personalities. But I mean, what do you make of this? I mean, as somebody like myself who rooted for Tom Brady to see him twice this year now refuse to, you know, meet the other quarterback in in field. Uh, I mean, I certainly think he's losing a little bit of patience with uh, the season. Um, I mean, you know, you're telling, you know, our fans that we're recapping week 12. There's only four games left in the regular season. You know, we're going to get to the games, but. The Bucks are seven and five, so I mean, I think he's losing some patience. Um, he's certainly not as uh, happy-go-lucky um, as he used to be. Um, that's not to say that every game he won or lost with the Patriots, he went out and shook their hands. Um, he is, is shown to be an emotional guy. Um, it's not something I love to see, um, but at the same time, you know, I at, at this point in his career, I love to see when he throws interceptions. So. Um, not something we were accustomed to seeing a lot when he was here as far as being um, a poor sport. Um, but we do know that he is an emotional guy. He's always been an emotional guy, whether it be um, in, in between, you know, the numbers on the field, on the sideline. Um, he's pretty composed in press conferences, um, but he seems to um, be wearing thin on patience as this season goes on. I know there's been some chatter as well about the fit between Bruce Arians and himself. Uh, because obviously he's been so accustomed to having um, the same type of leadership or foundation um, in New England and then going to Tampa Bay. Um, it seems like Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich um, are not providing that same type of uh, support or uh, play calling for him. And so 
Uh, there's at least some outside reports that there's been some strain. Well, I was just going to ask about that because Bruce Arians runs an air raid type offense, which was great for Jameis Winston because he's got a big arm and he can throw the ball down the field. Tom Brady cannot. We've talked about it ad nauseum. He's got a jello arm. He can't throw it deep. So when you've got guys like Mike Evans and Godwin who are big targets who can go deep, it's almost like you've got to curtail the offense to him and have all these pass routes that are 5 to 11 yards. And instead, they're still trying to run this deep Jameis Winston type offense with him. And I think that's the main reason for the struggles. Yeah, going back to what we saw him succeed with the most in New England, I would say one of those things is play action. And, uh, you know, watching a lot of the Tampa Bay games that we've had a chance to see, because, of course, with this dream team, or at least the the dream team on paper that they've been able to uh, compile, you know, they've been getting a lot of primetime games. And so in the, the times that you get a chance to watch them, um, they're not running any play action. They certainly are just bombing it down the field. And I don't even know, you know, you mentioned it worked for Jameis Winston. I don't even know if it did. I mean, yeah, he threw 30 touchdowns. He also threw 25, 30 interceptions. So I don't know if uh, this is the right offense for Tom Brady. He needs to be utilizing his running backs more, utilizing his tight ends more. Um, I am noticing Gronk get much more involved in the offense. Uh, But for the most part, um, they're not utilizing current Tom Brady as they should. I don't know if he's ever been this great deep ball thrower. Um, but whatever he did have for skill in, in that area, he doesn't have it anymore. Uh, he's thrown more interceptions than I think they imagined he'd throw all year. Um, and it's because they're they're utilizing him in the totally wrong way. They need to stop having him throw balls 15, 20, 25 yards down the field um, and utilize him in the way that he succeeded in New England. Play action and then those dink and dunk throws. I mean, you've got Antonio Brown. You've got a great slot receiver who still looks to be in great shape utilize those shorter throws, those five to 10 yard dink and dunk throws that will get you down the field and get the ball away from the other team. You keep bombing the ball and it keeps ending up in the opposition's hands. Now from the NFL to college, obviously we have Sarah Fuller makes her debut for Vanderbilt. First time ever the female has played in a uh, power 10 or power five conference. Uh, She's a kicker. She gets in for one play. It's the kickoff. She squib kicks it about 30 so yards. And then she's named the SEC Special Teams Player of the Week. Now, this has drawn some ire from people who I believe are only upset because it's a female getting the award. Because the reality of the situation is, how many times do we see, uh, you know, the the manager of the football team, they put him in, the other team lets him score a touchdown, you know, and he gets Player of the Week, you know. And it's just because it's a feel-good story. You know, this is a feel-good story. And right. a special teams player, like who really, like who do you think should have gotten it? The gunner from Tennessee who made two tackles? I mean, who really got snubbed for this award? Uh, not only that, I mean, I don't think there is a more deserving player, but she had, she could have had different opportunities as well. I mean, Vanderbilt, they ended up getting skunked in their game. I believe they ended up losing like 43 to nothing or something like that, but they got skunked. And if they had a chance to, you know, kick a PAT, she would have had that opportunity. So I think it's great to see that Vanderbilt allowed her that opportunity i think we're seeing that in coaching and then in some playing um you know like kicking here is probably where we're going to start to see that um you know blur the lines but i think it's great for her it's it's great for sports in general i think anybody that is sour about it um needs to go pound sand um i'm not here for that type of um negative vibes or negative feelings um i'm happy for her i wish she'd gotten the chance to go ahead and kick a pat um, or kick off after a score, but unfortunately, Vandy didn't score. I mean, they're 0-8 this season. Their coach, Derek Mason, just got fired. Um, so um, great decision for that team to allow her to play, but it was within the same 48-hour period their coach got fired for having, I believe, his eighth consecutive losing season. Well, I think that, not to put people into a box here, but I do find that a lot of the same people who have a problem with her winning special teams player of the week are a lot of the same people who had a problem with Michael Sam winning co-defensive player of the year, his senior year at Missouri. Yeah, I mean, I think those are some touchy subjects. Um, They were touchier back then. I think now, um, you know, that contingent of people that are still sour about it it is getting smaller. Um, I think it's, you know, getting much more acceptable to see um, different things in sports, Um, not just positional changes, but, 
being more open about things like inclusion, inclusion of uh, someone like Michael Sam or inclusion of someone like, um, you know, Miss Fuller, I think either one of them, it's great for them to have the opportunities that they've been given. And I think anybody who is, um, you know, having negative feelings about it um, is really wasting their time and energy. Now, a mind-blowing statistic that we got to see uh, this Saturday. Nobody really saw it because it's for the Buffalo Bisons. But, you know, we've got Jarrett Patterson has 36 carries for 409 yards and eight touchdowns against Kent State. Now, this is coming off of his game last week against Bowling Green, where he had 31 carries for 301 yards and four touchdowns. So I I see that they rate him as like a 2021 draft prospect because they think he's going to go all four years. Nobody has him rated as a 2020 prospect. I don't know if a guy keeps running for, you know, three, 400 yards a week. I think you got to look at him as a prospect of some sort, right? Uh, If you're him or you're his uh, support group, then you tell him to go ahead and leave this year. Um, I'm already starting to see players amongst college football uh, start to leave uh, so they can go ahead and declare. And this gentleman right here, uh, he's going to need new tread on his tires or the tires are going to fall off. I don't think he can do another year of this in college for Buffalo and not get paid to do it. Um, you see him weaving through traffic here on, on our video clip. Um, I really hope you guys get on YouTube um, if you're not already watching live and get a chance to see this because Wayne cut up some great clips of this running back. And I think that this gentleman can't afford his his livelihood, his legs can't afford to continue to do this again for free next year. He's got to go ahead and use his support team and uh, his, you know, he's got to get some type of NFL agent to uh, get him into the league, even if it's a late round pick. Um, Because he obviously has skill. He can find the hole. Um, So I think he's going to find himself in in an NFL camp, uh, an NFL locker room coming up. He does have a great vision from what I've seen of the highlights. He does break tackles. He runs incredibly quick once he hits the hole. I think the main thing is that they list him as a guy who runs a 4-5-5. And I think for him to get into the league, he would have to run a sub-4-5, like a 4-4-8, 4-4-5. And then I think we're talking about a fifth, sixth round pick, maybe. Yeah, maybe spend the next six months, you know, improving his hands as well. If he can prove to be a versatile guy, then someone that can be taken real late or taken as an undrafted guy and make his way and find his opportunity in the pros. Now, COVID has actually affected uh, quite a few college teams. I don't have a, a little graphic for it, but basically, we saw Ohio State miss, I think, their third game already this season, and they're only. They started late, so they're only playing a handful of games. Right. And looking at the, the standings, I have a graphic here. You know, they are 4-0, and they're ranked fourth. They're currently on pace to make it to the college playoff, even though Florida's 7-1, Cincinnati's 8-0, Miami's 7-1, BYU, who's the big snub at the 14th-ranked school, they're 8-0. You know, and you're telling me you're going to put a team that's 4-0 into the college football playoff over these teams that have played 12 games? Yeah, this is the same argument that Sully and I have been having, um, you know, not against each other, but with each other against these Big Ten conference schools um, who may be doing better in their much fewer opportunities. um, But there are schools that are much more deserving. All those schools that you just named, I would have much higher than any Big Ten school who has really not shown the same efforts. Um, No, no testing has changed. So they could have, you know, played the same time and started at the same opportunity as the other conferences, such as the SECs um, or the ACCs. Um, so really, um, it's it's inexcusable for them to start late and then for them to start moving all these games now. Um, I know there's some new rankings that are going to come out within the next 24 hours. Get Ohio State out of my top four, out of my top ten. Uh, again, all those teams that you just mentioned, the BYUs and the Floridas, move them up into contention. Those teams that have played seven, eight, nine games this year, those who I want to see competing for a, t- a title. Now, I think the only argument really against it, right, is like if you've got four teams, you want the four best teams. And so, and really, Ohio State is one of the best teams. It's just the problem is I think that when it comes to playoffs, quote-unquote, I believe that playoffs are something that you have to earn in the regular season. Correct. And I don't feel like they've earned it in the regular season, even though they may be the fourth or third best team. Like I mentioned before, do your own Big Ten conference tournament at the end there. If you really want to have some type of conference tournament or some type of tournament altogether, you can have your own playoff within your your own conference. But don't start thinking that with five or six games to end your season, they're going to be able to compete with teams that have played eight, nine, or ten. 
Um, that's more wear and tear on their bodies. And like you mentioned, it's earning it that gets you into the playoffs and getting those opportunities at a national championship. And I don't think those Big Ten schools have earned it. And COVID has found its way into the NFL. You and I talked about it uh, previous to the show starting. The Steelers and the Ravens, what a debacle this has turned into. With yeah. The game getting moved from Sunday to Tuesday and now from Tuesday to Wednesday. And it's just like, how many times are they going to postpone this? And I know they're trying to be safe, right? But, I mean, it, we look at a team like the Denver Broncos this year or, or this week who they didn't have a single quarterback on the roster. They had actually asked permission to have their coach be the quarterback and were denied. And, you know, but they're bending over backwards for the Ravens and the Steelers. I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, it, it seems to be a little bit of favoritism, um, especially with these two teams who – have always had a great rivalry in their division and who right now are vying for those playoff spots. I mean, the Steelers are the number one team in the conference. Um, they're still undefeated. So it does seem to be some some favoritism. Um, I think we're seeing uh, stark differences between the NHL and the NBA and the successes that they had. And what we're seeing right now with the NFL and college football with all of the um, the rescheduling of games, the cancellations of games, um, the mismanagement of players and situations. I think you had even mentioned towards the beginning of this football season and some predictions that you mentioned the coach and the team that really handles COVID the best is the team that's going to find the most success this season. And we're seeing some teams and some coaches really mismanage these opportunities. I mean, it's costing them in some cases like New Orleans, draft picks it's costing them money i just saw the new england patriots get fined as well um so uh, covid19 has certainly thrown a curveball into every sport and really every business but i think in football we're seeing it um really be shuffled around a lot and uh, again i'd have to agree we're seeing some favoritism with this game over other games that we've seen just happen uh, i mean the patriots game when when cam you know had to play i don't know if they even had two practices in between um, their bye week and the time that they had to move their game to. So um, definitely some mismanagement by uh, Goodell and other coaches. Now, that's the news that I had. You had some additional news topics that you wanted to go through. Uh, yeah, just a few things. Uh, so, I mean, you had mentioned uh, the Steelers-Ravens game. And so to dovetail off that, that does end up move, moving another game. Um, we're continuing to see a domino effect. Uh, so the game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Washington football team that was scheduled for this coming Sunday is now moved to Monday night. Um, and that's obviously subject to continue to move. Um, I think um, other than that, um, you know, Will Fuller, a uh, guy for the Steel um, the Texans, um, we may not get a chance to talk about that game because I mean, they're four and seven um, and they were a Thanksgiving day game, but uh, Will Fuller is now suspended for six games. Um, he got suspended for PED use. And uh, he was one of their leading receivers. He was a guy questioned coming into the year uh, due to his health. Um, but I, I'd like to remind everybody, he is a free agent coming into uh, next year. So certainly doesn't bode well for him that he loses the last uh, few games of this year. And he'd have to basically ask for um, a contract knowing that he wouldn't be playing the first two games of next year. Does it surprise you at all how few NFL players get busted for PEDs? Because I really feel like all of them have to be honest. These guys are so big. And so fast. And you're telling me like maybe like three, four guys get suspended every year. Yeah, it's way more acceptable in this league than it is in other leagues for sure. Um, in the MLB, I mean, we just saw a guy like Robinson Cano just get suspended for the entire 2021 season uh, for the New York Mets um, for his PD use. I think that was probably his second go around on it because he got uh, I think he got hit also with Seattle. Um, so, yeah, he's going to miss the entire 2021 year. Whereas, yeah, in the NFL, you see maybe two or three of these a season. Um, they're, they're more worried about, um, you know, deflated footballs um, and um, how high your socks are than they are about you uh, ripping roids or getting high. Um, all right, so it is time to play Greater Than. Oh, there's uh, that logo. I have a few. Of them. I actually thought about doing a, a shirt, you know, because we were talking about some ideas, a shirt with a Greater Than logo. But I have the 12 is greater than 9. So I'm like, is it too similar? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, but all right, so I'm going to let you kick things off because I, I let it off last time we played greater than. Perfect. Um, well, as long as you think we're going to get a few in, um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start with sports. Um, and uh, I'm going to go with uh, baseball here. I'm going to go with two sluggers. Um, I'm going to go with, um, you know, uh, a guy that's been in the league for – both guys have been in the league for a long time. Um, so I think you've got a good grasp of both of them. But I want to know who you like better, 
Um, Albert Pujols, Miguel Cabrera. I'm thinking we may get in a little of uh, Attic Wayne right now. There's a little bit of uh, frozenness. Um, so, uh, again, I'm just going to repeat my greater than is the first greater than of this episode. And uh, it was uh, Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujols. I'm asking Wayne, what do you think of these uh, two sluggers that probably on the back nine of their baseball career? Wayne will get back with us in a second. Uh, I thought this was a good one to ask Wayne. I thought that, you know, they both have certainly been, um, you know, in the the MLB for more than, you know, a dozen years. Um, both these guys have um, won MVPs, uh, been huge parts of um, their team successes. Um, to this point, I don't think that uh, Albert Pujols has actually won a World Series. Um, so I think this is a, a tight one. Um, you know, to be honest with you, um, I see that Wayne um, had to jump off. Um, so he's probably going to jump right back on, probably just a little bit of an off connection in his attic. But I'm going to say, shh, don't tell him, but I lean Miguel Cabrera. Um, I think a gentleman that um, in this day and age that has won the Triple Crown uh, deserves the edge. I think Albert Pujols, um, um, he's really had a, a steep decline at this point in his career. Um, they both are showing it. But Albert Pujols has had more of a steep decline um, in his uh, more recent years. Um, it's kind of sad to see that he's not really going to win anything. Um, and he's on the same team as a guy that I know Sully loves, and he's within our intro, and uh, that's Mike Trout. And I'm not sure if we're going to see Mike Trout win anything either. Um, so, um, yeah, again, my first greater than, um, which um, Wayne disconnected a little bit um, on there, was uh, Miguel Cabrera um, and Albert Pujols, two uh, all-time sluggers that are uh, finishing up what I would say are Hall of Fame careers. So uh, hopefully you folks out there that are baseball fans will have a – have an opinion on those two guys and uh, be able to argue um, which one you think is more deserving of an all-time slot. You know, if you're making an all-time baseball team or you're doing a draft, which one of those two guys are you going to put on your team first? Um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and um, give you um, another sports one here just because I'm not sure um, how soon our buddy Wayne's going to jump back on. I know he's troubleshooting. Um, so I'm going to go down here to my last one, and this is another sports one just because I'm way more concerned with when he does pop back on that I give him um, one of his movie or, or music ones. Um, but a another sports one here, folks, um, and this is football. So all you uh, pigskin fans, um, and this is a running back question. So, Sully, if you're listening, I uh, hope I get an opinion from you, my man. Um, but uh, whoever may be listening and you are a football fan, uh, running back question here, greater than Marshall Falk or LaDainian Tomlinson? Uh, I think both these guys played relatively around the same time. We saw LT play for a little bit longer. Uh, both uh, electric guys that I think you saw uh, catch the ball, run the ball, um, huge parts of their offenses. Um, love the jerseys for both. You know, you got the powder blue for the Chargers. You've got, uh, you know, those horned jerseys for Marshall Falk. I mean, he obviously did well with the Colts as well before going over to St. Louis. Um, I think both these guys are guys that you'll see be drafted early in these types of fancy drafts that Sully, myself, and Wayne are always talking about. Um, so um, I think these guys are ones that always um, you'll see drafted as very versatile guys. You know, like I mentioned, guys that are going to catch the ball, run the ball. We even saw LT uh, throw the ball a few times. Um, I think uh, personally, uh, I'm going to give the edge to LT, even though I think he's a bit more of a crybaby. Uh, I think. Uh, you know, he is someone that's more exciting to me, um, even though, um, you know, we saw Falk as part of the greatest show on turf with St. Louis. Um, he's surrounded by some uh, Hall of Fame players as well. You know, we're talking about Isaac Bruce, Tory Holt, Kurt Warner, uh, who won two MVPs within, within his first five years in the NFL, which is a huge stat that came up the other day when I was watching football um, that stumped me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that the greatest show on turf, you know, Orlando Pace, uh, Kevin Green, you know, that that team was so so super stacked. That's the reason they had the success that they did um, throughout that time. So I think Marshall Falk just surrounded with um, a much better team, um, whereas LT uh, had Antonio Gates, which you'll never have a broadcast go by without someone mentioning that 
Yeah, he went undrafted, and he actually played college basketball. Um, never played college football. Uh, so other than that, I mean, Philip Rivers is good. I don't put him in the upper echelon that I think some other guys may. So that's, that's why I think, you know, throughout that that time, if we're comparing teams and the success of these two guys, uh, very close stats-wise, um, LC has more touchdowns, um, but just doesn't have the hardware that I'd say Marshall Falk does. But again, individually, I'm going to give it to uh, LaDainian Salmonson. Um, our, our buddy Wayne must be struggling a little bit with his attic, which is okay. We'll give him a second to pop back on. Um, I'm going to go ahead here and um, I want to give you guys a movie one. Um, I was really hoping to give him this one, but I'm going to give you guys a movie one. Um, I know you fans um, are really loving hearing my voice um, uh, unstopped here, um, but I'm going to give you a movie one, and that is two that I found to be within the top 15 of IMDb's uh, all-time movie ranking. Um, and I know that Wayne's a big movie head. So any of you movie heads out here that are looking for your non-sports question, uh, this is Inception or the movie Fight Club. Uh, both what we would call uh, mind fucks. Um, they certainly um, leave you wondering throughout the movie, you know, what's going to happen. Um, I had to admit to um, my, my mom, uh, who helps me come up with some of these, that I have not seen Fight Club. Um, and if I have, I don't remember it. So it's something that I'll certainly have to, um, you know, put on um, my immediate watch list. Um, but um, for the time being, I've actually been um, really a huge fan of Inception. It's probably one of my top five to ten movies. So that's where I would lean personally. I think that both um, are saw as great movies. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and give it to Inception. Uh, we've gone a few minutes without Wayne here. So. Um, if you folks just give me one moment of uh, just silence, I'm going to go ahead and jump over and see if he's messaged, see if there's any communication from him. All right. And I just got word from our friend Wayne that uh, his, his power went out, which, you know, it wasn't all too uh, unforeseen. We did give you guys uh, a bit of a, a polite and a gentle warning that weather here in New Hampshire was being a little cranky, uh, so I'm going to continue to uh, run through uh, some of these greater thens. Um, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm a little sad that Wayne's not getting a chance to hear some of these and debate some of them maybe once he pops back on. Um, I'll be able to ask these again to him, and he'll have opinions. Um, but we're going to hop back to a, a sports one. because um, I know we are Infinity Sports. Um, you know, we like having these uh, miscellaneous or what my Jeopardy game would call potpourri. Um, but we have some miscellaneous ones here and um, going back with sports um, and this is a basketball one. So uh, Sully, JV, anybody here in FBAS or anybody that may be listening and you are a basketball fan. Uh, I've got a guy that is currently retired um, who never won NBA MVP. I've got a guy here who is still playing, who is one NBA MVP. And I want you guys to go ahead and decide. You can go ahead and let me know on Twitter. You can let the show know. You can let us know in any capacity. Comment on the show now. Comment on YouTube. Paul Pierce, James Harden. Who would you liken as the better all-time player? I know that we haven't seen the end of James Harden yet, but both these guys have led teams um, offensively. They've, they've led them in different eras, I would say, even though they're closer together. Uh, James Harden plays such a different offensive game than Paul Pierce. Um, and Paul Pierce... For a time, you know, because I, I wouldn't say that Antoine Walker led that Celtics team. I would say that Paul Pierce led that Celtics team um, really until they got KG and Ray Allen. And even then, he took not just a step back, but two steps back to let those two be bigger parts of their offense and their team than he was. Um, I still think he was super integral in them winning the championship that they did and them getting to the, the finals that they did. Um, but uh, just different players. Um, he evolved throughout his career. Um, once he left the Celtics, I think it really dissolved into not being much of a career, to be honest. Um, but uh, all time, um, I would give it to uh, Paul Pierce. Um, I think he gives you uh, that defensive threat, that leadership um, that we quite haven't seen yet from James Harden. Um, we still see offensive outpouring. I think he's got a great pull-up J. Um, he's going to rebound the ball well. Um, he's going to be vocal. He's going to be a great locker room guy. Uh, James Harden, I don't know if he's proven that he's a great locker room guy. I mean, we see some some rumors and some stories still of him 
you know, being a, a shenanigan side player, um, you know, outside of, you know, the basketball court. Um, on the court, uh, a guy that is continuing to average 25, 30, 35 points a game um, and dish out plenty of assists. His, his defense has uh, certainly improved, um, but not to the point where he's going to be making any all-defense teams. Um, we've seen him fail in different opportunities. You know, he wasn't um, a star yet in OKC, um, but in his time there, as well as his time here um, in, in Houston, we're not seeing him jive well with anybody. Now we're seeing him talk about wanting to go to Brooklyn. And, and I, I am curious about how that would look like with Kevin Durant and with Kyrie Irving. We're talking about three guys that are very ball-dominant players. Um, I think they're all very fun. Um, but, you know, that's more of a team that I think would succeed in a video game, not so much so on an NBA court. And I think Brooklyn would really put themselves in a super tough position to succeed if they made that trade, not only of what it would make their team look like currently, but what it does to their team um, and having to remove players. I think Jared Allen, like Sully had mentioned, is one of the best big men in the league. I mean, not just because of his little fro and his mustache, um, but the way he plays, I think, is fantastic. Um, so I don't think it's worth breaking up that Brooklyn dynamic for a James Harden. Um, so, again, going back to my, my greater than here is Paul Pierce or James Harden. Um, I'm giving it to Paul Pierce. I love the guy's leadership. Um, I love his scoring, his rebounding. Um, so I'm going to go with Paul Pierce. Um, James Harden, still an elite scorer, um, but he is 31, coming into his, you know, age 32 season. Um, season is coming up soon. Um, still a lot of questions as far as, like, where he's going to continue to play. And with a guy that's certainly on the back end of his career, um, maybe has about four or five, you know, competent years left in him. I'm not sure he's going to get that championship, especially with how stacked LA is looking. Um, so I'm not sure he's going to have the team success that a guy like Paul Pierce is going to have either. Um, you know, Wayne and I were talking uh, just before we got on the air or just as we were getting on the air about the LA Lakers and what they've done so far in the offseason. Um, I think that Montrez Harrell um, was a fantastic pickup for them. Uh, Dennis Schroeder was fantastic for them. Um, them continuing to build on that, that championship roster is almost scary. Um, we haven't seen other NBA teams make big moves yet that I think are really putting them in big positions. We have seen a lot of moves. Um, I am a Pistons fan, and you know they drafted Killian Hayes, who I'm happy about, but for the most part, they've been an NBA purgatory. You know, Not bad enough to get a top three pick. Not good enough to get into the playoffs, so certainly NBA purgatory. So during the last, you know, I would say six to eight years, what I've done is I've just watched the rest of the league. And uh, I think right now, um, you know, Denver looks pretty good. Um, you know, New York is looking pretty good for a young team that hasn't gotten respect in a long time. Wayne and I have talked about this off the air. And uh, Obi Toppin um, is a guy that I obviously wanted on the Pistons. He went to pick after. Um, but him on that, that young offense, I think, is really, really good. Um, yeah, so New York, I think, looks good. Um, man, as much as I love Michael Jordan, I have a Jumpman tattoo on my arm. I don't understand a lot of the moves this guy makes. Um, you know, doing a sign-and-trade to get Gordon Hayward. I thought that Gordon Hayward was either going to play until he died in Boston or end up getting um, you know, traded back towards Indiana, where he played collegiately and grew up. Uh, so I, for him to be moved to uh, Charlotte and be playing for Michael Jordan, um, I'm just not sure what Jordan's doing um, in the front office. Um, he really should have somebody who is much more accustomed to doing this job um, to take over because um, it's been a mess ever since he's been a, uh, an owner there. Um, but, yeah, a lot of NBA teams are doing a lot of moves, but nobody is having a more successful offseason than the Lakers. And it's super important for them to do so because of how short the offseason is going to be. Um, another thing that Wayne and I had touched on is that the NBA season kicks off in less than a month here. Um, you know, we're going to start seeing teams really uh, get together um, as safely as they can. Um, I don't really know. I um, haven't really heard rumblings about the NBA starting their season in a bubble like they had ended their season. They did have a ton of success with that. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that's going to work. Um, usually we see... You know, the Adam Schefter of the NBA is Adrian Wojnarowski. Usually we see uh, a Woj bomb or two. So I'm sure as the holidays are creeping up, we'll start to see some Woj bombs about how the NBA is going to 
culminate or, or start their season. I'm sorry. And um, I'm curious. I'm curious. I'm excited. Um, the NBA is one of my uh, more favorite sports. And uh, with a shorter off season, I'm curious to see how things uh, evolve. Um, I am super sad to hear about Clay Thompson. I think that this Warriors team was going to look super fun um, and certainly could have competed again for a home playoff spot. Um, I'm curious to see what Milwaukee does. Um, it looks like this is kind of a make or break it year. If they don't succeed and do really well, um, then you could certainly see Giannis decide to make another jump. Um, I, I, they're not another jump, but make that jump to another team, whether it be through free agency or a sign and trade. It sounds like there's been a, a lot of rumors about him going to Golden State. Um, I'd hate to see him go to LA. Um, that you know brings Dream Team to a whole new sickening level. Um, I really appreciate you guys um, listening to the voice of Jesse for this long. I know usually you're accustomed to hearing Wayne's voice or Sully's voice here as well. Um, so this has been a longer version of Greater Than. Um, we definitely had intentions to play um, probably about a 10-minute version of this game and then get into as many NFL games as we could. Um, he um, lives uh, more so in central New Hampshire, so I'm sure the rain is pounding him and um, hopefully his power will find its way back on. Um, but I think what I'm going to do is jump into a couple of the NFL games that I know that I got a chance to watch. Um, the first of which is going to be, and it's going to be no shock to any of you that know me, that's the Patriots game. Uh, I saw the Patriots um, be able to play the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals is a team that I know that all three of us, myself, Wayne and Sully, uh, all really liked as a dark horse team. And uh, they really started to shine brighter and brighter as the, the season started to progress. Um, DeAndre Hopkins really shown and uh, proved himself as the best receiver in the NFL um, in every week that hasn't been this week, <clears throat> Tyreek Hill. Um, but um, this game, um, I came into this game looking at it going, oh, man, Cardinals are going to wipe up the floor with the Patriots. The Patriots are just going to continue to look towards, um, you know, a losing record on the season, um, which would have been Bill Belichick since his first season as the Patriots coach. Um, but I came into this game looking at it as a loss. I was looking towards, you know, draft prospects. I was listening to these uh, Sully prospect bits that we're having on the episodes and just starting to think, man, who are we adding? Um, but uh, as the game went on, um, I noticed that uh, Kyler Murray, um, you know, or at least Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, they weren't utilizing themselves um, to the best of their abilities. That offense um, didn't seem to gel as much as it, it was throughout the remainder of the season because – Against the Patriots and that defense, they were having a tough time uh, to only put up, I believe it was 17 points. Um, it was 17 points because uh, Patriots ended up winning 20-17 to 17 as time expired. Nick Folk, hit, Nick Folk hit a 50-yard field goal to win the game, um, and I was shocked. I was shocked because I expected more points than 17 points from this Arizona Cardinals team. You know, you have Kenyon Drake as your running back. You have Chase Edmonds back there, but, you know, your team is – it's Kirk, it's Fitzgerald, it's DeAndre Hopkins, it's Kyler Murray, who has been having these three and 400-yard games, you know, these all-purpose yard games. Uh, so I expected way more offense out of this game. I don't remember listening to the uh, the over-under predictions uh, from Sully and Wayne. Um, maybe uh, they snuck them in. But um, I would be shocked if this game actually hit what a lot of betters were expecting it to. Um Again, it was a 37-point um, total in the end, um, but I expected I expected uh, Arizona to hit that by themselves. Um, they are a high-powered offense. Um, for them to be held in check by a New England defense that seems to lose players every week. I mean, they came into the season with about eight or nine players that weren't going to start this year that started for them last year. Um, so uh, certainly um, not what I expected to see in this game. Again, it was a 20-17 to 17 Patriots win. Um, you know, someone that I know um, has gotten way more playing time this year um, than Wayne would like um, and, Wayne the, and Wayne predicted is Cam Newton. Uh, Cam Newton has looked atrocious. Uh, this man completed less than 10 passes this week. It is the second time this season that he has less than 100 passing yards. Um, my mom and I were screaming for Jared Stidham in the second half. Um, the, the first pass of the game... Cam Newton throws an interception. Um, he's throwing balls towards people's feet. He's holding the ball way too long and getting sacked. It is just so bad watching this guy who 
at one point won an MVP. At one point, he led his team to a Super Bowl against the Broncos. And even though he didn't end up winning that game, you would think the guy has more uh, mental capacity than he's shown this season. But for a guy who's been in the league for as long as he had to take so many sacks, um, it's just it's crazy to see how many plays he wastes and how many good opportunities he will squander by him holding on to the ball and not being a smarter guy with it. Um, you know, there are players on the New England offense like James White, um, like, uh, I mean, again, I'm struggling to name many offensive weapons because there hasn't been many, um, but James White is a guy that scored both touchdowns for uh, New England. And, oh, man, um, you know, thank God he was there because Cam Newton can't seem to hit the, the backside of a barn. Um, again, he's throwing it at people's feet. He's throwing it off people's hands and off their helmets, getting the ball picked off. Uh, he has been um, disappointing. Those first two games of the year, it was fool's gold. Um, we had a great rushing performance by him. We had a great passing performance by him in consecutive weeks. And it was fool's gold. I think a lot of people looked at that and we were like, oh, man, Cam Newton, look at this. You've done an amazing job. And, and he's transformed the offense. Everybody thought it was going to be a chameleon-like Patriots offense. It was just going to you know, change week to week and do whatever they needed to do to get games won. Um, but ever since COVID um, has hit the Patriots and has hit Cam Newton, he has been atrocious. Um, again, my mom and I were screaming for Jarrett Siddham to get into the game. It's a struggle to watch Cam Newton continue to get in the game. Um, when they won the game, he didn't even look happy about it. He looked downtrodden. And then he had comments um, after the game in press conferences. Um, I mean, I know New England media is never easy on guys, but he's making comments like, I'm not going to apologize for winning the game. Um, you know, I'm not here to make fans, like blah, 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 like, Oh, man, when you're playing as poorly as you are, you need to shut your mouth. Um, go back to the Patriot way and, and say the things you need to say. Um, a, a huge game that um, I got to see other than that game. Again, that was the Patriots winning um, and making their record five and six. Um, that was, <clears throat> sorry, that was the Packers uh, beating down on their division rival Bears. Um, we saw Mitchell Trubisky start again for the Bears the first time since week three. Um, and they did end up getting beat. Um, they got crushed, I would say, by the Packers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, another performance where he has four passing touchdowns. Um, so if if he's not your leading MVP candidate, I will say that's okay because it better be going for Patrick Mahomes. But another amazing performance by him where he's he, he doesn't have the greatest receiving core, but he, he does magic with what he does have. Um, a great rushing performance by, um, by Aaron Jones. Um, so we saw the Packers win. Um, they do lead that division pretty handedly. Um, it looks looks like they're going to secure that uh, top uh, spot in their division very soon. Um, and with that Bears loss, that gives them the same record as the Patriots, five and six. Um, and and a, a familiar fan of the show, a friend of the show, uh, Brandon Coombs came on to our NFC North uh, division breakdown months ago and claimed that this team was going to win the division, that the Vikings were also going to make the playoffs, and these two teams are the worst two teams in their division. Um, uh, actually, i got to take that back. The Lions also stink. The Lions finally fired Matt Patricia. They finally fired Bob Quinn. Um, those guys that they had poached from New England a time ago didn't seem to work so well without that Bill Belichick-Tom Brady connection uh, because we saw Detroit get rid of them. Um, but those three teams stink. Uh, the Packers are going to win that division and sneak into the playoffs again. Um, another amazing year for Aaron Rodgers. Just to go back to uh, Brandon Coombs, another uh, poor, poor preseason prediction, saying that Aaron Rodgers is going to have another one of those shitty Aaron Rodgers years. Again, if he's not your MVP candidate, then he's your second MVP candidate. Bar none, he's having an amazing year. Four touchdown passes in this one against the Bears. Uh, another uh, great game, um, and uh, this is the ultimate reason that I think Sully called in sick, and that is uh, the Kansas City Chiefs handed it to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, don't look at that final score. Um, that um, doesn't really tell you how bad the game was. Um, in the first half, Tyree Kill had over 200 receiving yards. He had three touchdowns in the first half. Uh, Patrick Mahomes did things that I, I wish that a guy that has, you know, gone to the Super Bowl and won an MVP for my favorite team, Cam Newton. I wish 
uh, he would do some of the things that Pat Mahomes does. Throws the ball away, throws it at the ground, runs forward instead of running sideways. Pat Mahomes continues to do MVP-like things. He should be your clear-cut MVP candidate right now. Uh, him and Aaron Rodgers are having elite years, um, but the performance that he and Tyreek Hill had um, was just amazing. They put on an offensive outburst against Tampa Bay. Tom Brady looked lost. Uh, the offensive looked lost. Um, we spoke about it a little bit earlier in the news section when Wayne had brought up um, the poor sport Tom Brady as well as the misuse of the uh, Tampa Bay offense. Uh, but yeah, the continued lack of play action for Tampa Bay, the uh, excessive use of those deep passes where I know that Mike Evans is an amazing tall guy, a great receiver, and he'll do well with those. But you have to adapt to the quarterback that you have. And Tom Brady is not that type of quarterback anymore. He never really was that amazing deep ball guy. He's not the guy that's going to succeed in doing that right now. So you have to do more dink and dunks. You have to, you know, chip chip down the field. You know, it, it's death by a, a thousand paper cuts is what it's called. You know, you have to just utilize your running backs, utilize your slot guys. Um, the um, what was his name? Scotty Miller, I think, is the the, um, the Tampa Bay's version of Julian Edelman. Get him and Antonio Brown on the field at the same time doing crossing routes. Um, do some more short routes to your tight ends like Cameron Bray and to Gronkowski. You know, you're seeing Gronk get more time on the field and get more shine, um, but this team is utilizing Tom Brady in the wrong way. That's why you're seeing them have five losses right now. Uh, it's going to get rough. Um, so those are probably the biggest things that I took away from this week in uh, the NFL. Um, I did want to mention um, we saw the Browns win. They won a close one. Um, against uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. So uh, joke continues to be on me on the Jaguars, who I said would win uh, five out of their six division games. Not that this was a division game, but um, they have been bad. I believe this was their 10th straight loss. Um, and so in doing so, um, uh, they have actually fired their GM, Dave Gal Caldwell. Um, they've decided they don't want to move forward with him. And, um, I know that Wayne loves to bring up every week um, them looking at quarterbacks in, in the upcoming draft, and so I do believe there's probably something they'll have to do um, is look at that because um, neither one of their quarterbacks is the answer. I uh, saw a pretty decent performance by Colin Johnson, who is a huge receiver, big, big hands from Texas. I'm sure we can have uh, Sully comment on him at some point, but uh, a sneaky big guy down there, him and Chark, I'm sure are going to, um, be nice gifts for any quarterback that ends up calling Jacksonville home. Um, but again, we saw Cleveland uh, claim that victory. They're eight and three now. Um, if you asked any three of us um, before the season started, if we saw Cleveland um, having an eight and three record at this point um, and being the second team in the division, not the Ravens, not the Steelers, the second team in the division right now is the Browns. Um, so that is very impressive. It's incredible. Um, for the Browns to be where they're at, especially considering there's been no Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, so the Browns got another win. They're 8-3. and three. Um, What else did we see? Uh, we saw the Tennessee Titans. Uh, they went ahead and they manhandled the Colts. I know the Colts were a pick by Sully to uh, get into the playoffs and I believe even get to the Super Bowl for the AFC. Um, well, they got manhandled by the Tennessee Titans. Uh, mostly, uh, it was a first-half performance by Derrick Henry. I mean, once you let that man rumble, you're not taking him down. And he had three touchdowns, 180 yards, over 25 carries. It's like a vending machine on wheels. Um, you don't want to try and tackle this man once he gets going. And, you know, as the weather gets colder, it's going to be harder to tackle a guy like this. You're going to see offenses, once they get into the playoffs, they're going to start using their run game more. Their run game and their defense is what's going to get them into the playoffs and through the playoffs. So this Tennessee team is primed and ready. Uh, this was an impressive, impressive win, and I think this is your dark horse AFC team. A lot of people are looking at Pittsburgh and their undefeated record. A lot of people are looking at Kansas City and what they just did to Tampa and what they continue to do to teams this year. Um, but watch out. You need to watch out for uh, the Tennessee Titans because uh, they snuck in the playoffs last year. They made some noise. Mike Vrabel is a good and ballsy coach, um, and um, you know, you're seeing their receiver, Brown, becoming a real big threat. Um, he's a big physical guy. Um, he had, um, I believe, two total touchdowns. One of them was a special teams touchdown. Uh, so Tennessee's really putting it together. 
Um, we saw the uh, the Bills win. Uh, Bills won big. Um, forget exactly who they were playing, um, but they uh, won their game. Um, yeah, we're seeing uh, a lot of big things here. Um, right now, the Giants. Um, the Giants are first in the division because of uh, their win. Um, but it seems like every week that we are on and we're talking about the NFC East, um, it's the team that does end up squeaking out a win that week is then leading the division. That's how bad that division is. Um, but with four wins, I believe, right now, the Giants are leading that division. They're winning that division. I think it's going to be the team that actually gets in the playoffs to represent this division. Um, the Eagles played tonight, um, but they've continued to look bad. Um, because it's my show right now, I don't have any opposition. I can take as much time as I want right now to, to really talk about the quarterback position in Philadelphia. Um, you know, we talked about it when they drafted him, but Philadelphia is starting to, you know, you're hearing noise about Jalen Hurts, a guy they drafted in the second round. The fans have been murmuring. Uh, we know those Philly fans can be fanatics. Uh, so we're starting to hear Jalen Hurts get some first-team reps. Carson Wentz has played like doo-doo most of the season. Um, if he's not leading the league in interceptions, he's very close. This guy is a turnover machine. Um, I'll hear Sully's and even Wayne's excuses that, you know, they, they're losing a lot of people on the offensive line and the offensive line's not pay, playing good and they're losing players on offense and defense. Listen up, guys. Every team is losing players on offensive defense. Every team is dealing with injuries or COVID. Uh, so it's time for Carson Wentz, a guy that was drafted in the top five years ago, a guy that was just paid lots of money, to put up or shut up, you know, this is his game against Seattle. If he comes out and wins this game on Monday Night Football, I think he earns himself the rest of the season. If he looks poor throw any of this and Jalen Hurts gets in the game, it's done. It's over with for Carson Wentz. He's had such a bad season so far. Uh, I'm sick of hearing excuses for him. If he plays poor throughout this game on this stage against Seattle, which we've talked about it, guys. Seattle does not have a good defense. They have one of the worst defenses in the league. Carson Wentz should be able to do something. If he doesn't, it's done. It's over for Carson Wentz. Go ahead and get Jalen Hurts in there, and let's see what you have. Um, we're going to go from Wentz to Hurts, um, and uh, I think that Hurts is a guy that Wayne really enjoys. Um, I know he enjoyed him at Oklahoma, and he is a guy that um, will be able to bring you more positional versatility, a guy that will be able to pass the ball, run the ball, certainly faster than Carson Wentz. Um, and it seems like, you know, the fans are going to rally around him. Maybe the team will rally around him and be, be able to uh, get the uh, the division win here. Um, if they end up uh, sealing the division, um, then this could be something uh, very revitalizing for the Philadelphia Eagles team. Um, really appreciate all you fans uh, sticking with me. I know this is not what you expected. Um, it's been a little bit of a bumpy road this week, uh, but we appreciate all the fans' continued support. I know that we uh, really appreciate Belly Up Sports for having us on. Um, I know uh, between weather and COVID, you know, we're continuing to be uh, flexible and put out the best product we can. Uh, it's been great to be able to uh, recap um, as many games as my brain will be able to uh, remember. I know that Wayne had different um, video cut-ups and stats that he'll be he'll be upset that Mother Nature got, got involved and uh, had her hands in here. Um but, uh, you know, got a, got a chance to talk about a lot of games. Uh, another game I want to mention um, before I forget is the Raiders. The Las Vegas Raiders um, were um, in the hunt, I would say. They were in the hunt for a playoff spot, um, and um, they got crushed. Um, it didn't look good at all, um, and the fact that they lost that game um, really hurts their playoff chances. The AFC um, teams that are still vying for those last three spots after the division winners – um, it's definitely a mess right now. Um, you know, you see you got teams like Cleveland, you've got teams like uh, Vegas. Um, those teams are really vying for playoff spots right now, and um, you really have to make statements with four games remaining. I mentioned it earlier, we only have four games remaining in the NFL season. Uh, next week is a good week for Tom Brady and Tampa to have their bye week. They're going to need to get their head right, their offense right. Um, Denver, we can go ahead and talk about Denver before we get off the air here, but uh, the Broncos – not being able to start any quarterbacks. They went ahead and they called up a practice squad receiver. The guy had more interceptions than he had completions. I look at the offense. Um, I know the team and the and, um, the organization wasn't put in a great position to succeed, um, but it didn't look like they really put their quarterback in a great position to succeed either. A lot of those passes seemed to be deep. Uh, I know the only completion that he did have was to Noah Fant. 
Um, he completed one pass through two interceptions, um, but it just didn't look good. Um, so you feel for that Denver team, but again, it, it's going to come down to what team and organization uh, handles COVID the best. And I would say that uh, so far it seems like Pittsburgh. Uh, uh, it's teams like Kansas City. Um, and in the NFC, um, it's teams uh, like Tampa Bay, even though they don't have the most wins. Um, you're not seeing a lot of problems um, with uh, players going down with uh, injury or COVID. Um, again, I want to thank all the Infinity Sports fans, um, everybody that's given us an opportunity to continue to grow. Um, we started this less than a year ago, and I know that we've been able to uh, start on what network, make a jump to um, a different network that has allowed us to do uh, a few different things and be more flexible. Um, and the fans have continued to grow with us. We have support from Wayne's family, my family, Sully's family, um, and all of our family and friends. Um, so um, buy some some merch if you can. Um, we'll see if we can get some, you know, some car stickers, some decals up there. But um, for right now, we're going to continue to generate some shirts and uh, get some more, um, I think, some organic ideas up there, something that is uh, ripe from the show. Um, but uh, thank you for your support tonight. I know this is uh, certainly not um, what I had uh, originally intended or uh, Wayne. Um, but, um, you know, you fans are uh, always the best. Um, you stick with us throughout everything. Um, want to give a, a last second shout out here to the uh, the Newberry Public Library for letting me record in their parking lot in my vehicle. Uh, so uh, hopefully Wayne's able to shut this down on his end um, in a moment here. Um, but it's going to be a little unorthodox. I'm going to uh, throw it to our, our main man, Kenny the Jet Smith. Um, and if you don't know this bit, this comes from the 2000 NBA dunk contest. Um, right after Vince Carter had done um, one of his amazing dunks. Uh, pretty much every dunk he did in this dunk contest was amazing. Um, but after one of the dunks, it may have been the um, the reverse windmill, the honey dip, who knows, um, the 360. Um, but after Vince Carter did one of these dunks, um, Kenny the Jet Smith said, it's over. It's over, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so uh, one last time, I want to thank everybody for your patience and your cooperation with the show. Um, not what we had originally intended, um, but we got to talk about uh, a few greater thens. We also got to talk about um, a, a few games, a few of the highlight games, the marquee games, and uh, hopefully you guys are watching uh, the Seattle game, Seattle versus the Philadelphia Eagles, and you can see exactly what I've been talking about, Carson Wentz. Uh, so thank you all. And uh, Kenny, um, is uh, is Wayne's electricity back, or is it over? It's over. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys.